you need to sit down and really take a detailed look and write, I'm telling you, like a whole day or maybe a couple hours, really detailed look at what do you do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Out of those tasks, which this kind of goes back to hiring, which of those tasks can be automated, outsourced, or eliminated? And trust me, there are some tasks that you will write out and find, hmm, I actually don't need to be doing this. I'm wasting my time on a task that isn't generating any income. Welcome to the Coffee with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Marie, web designer and CEO of Courtney Marie & Co. After building a multiple six-figure design agency, I wanted to create a podcast to share everything I've learned and am still learning to help you grow your business. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts, share tips on branding, marketing, business, and so much more. So if you're ready to learn how to run a successful business and stand out online, grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Welcome back. Today's episode, I'm super excited to dive into this. Uh, I'm talking about eight things I've learned from building an online six-figure business. And a little backstory. So the first time we hit six figures was in seven months. And I think the second time was within four months. Let me tell you, the first seven months... I felt like I was spinning my wheels, going so fast, trying to keep up with everything. There were a lot of lessons involved in that first year, let alone those first seven months. Um, so I'm, tr- I'm going to try to break these down, keep it super simple to the point, uh, keep it to eight things, maybe throw in a few more. We'll see how it goes. Um, so number one is having or hiring a coach. I would not be where I am today without the mentors, the coaches who have helped me get to where I am. I will say the first few years of starting an online business, yeah, sure, there were a couple like programs I joined or maybe courses, but until I, I would say until I hired a one-on-one coach that really took time to sit with me and their eyes on and in my business, what figuring out what works for me, that was the true game changer. Yes, I learned from other programs and courses, but I don't know, something about that one-on-one coaching experience, you get so much more out of it. And, you know, when a lot of us, when we start our business, we think, oh yeah, like we can figure this out on our own. I'm going to save money but you end up wasting so much time and maybe waste more money on trying out like all these $50, $100, $500 courses when you could have just invested in one coach that could really excel uh, your business. And I want to talk about this for a minute because there's a mindset shift that needs to happen if you are in a place where ooh, I don't know if I need to invest. I don't know if I need a coach. There is a mindset piece that needs worked on before you invest. So anytime that you invest, you want to look at the ROI, return on investment. If I invest this much into this, 
What, how much will I get back? What will I get back? Is it time? Is it money? You have to look at those things and if it's worth it. So let's say you invest $2,000 or $5,000. I'll give two examples. Let's say you invest $5,000 in a one-on-one business coach. Okay, what does the ROI look like from working with that one-on-one coach, depending you know, on all the factors. Let's say they're a great coach, they have great results, um, they can get you to where you want to be. So maybe your goal is 10K months. If I invest 5K months and make 10K, I've just doubled my investment. Is that worth it? Absolutely. And on top of that, you've probably shaved off a few years of having to learn things on your own to accelerate the growth of your business. The whole idea behind investing in a coach is really finding someone who is where you want to be or has done the thing that you want to do because you're paying them to show you the way, to show you the laid out plan, the map to get you from point A to point B because they've already done it and they've probably helped other people do the same exact thing. Another example I'll give you is when clients come to us to invest in a sales page, okay? So right now, our current price for a sales page is $1,000. So let's say you invest $1,000 into one sales page to promote your offer, service, or program, and you launch that and you make $10,000, You've just 10x'd your initial investment of that $1,000. So now that you have the sales page, you're not going to create a brand new sales page for every launch. You're going to probably tweak a few things, but you're going to use the same sales page multiple times over and over again. So let's say you have five 10K launches, that's $50,000. And looking back, that makes that $1,000 100% worth the investment. The second thing I've learned or second tip that I have for you is to track your numbers. I will say this over and over again because guess what? I did not track my numbers until, I don't even know, until my I got tired of my coach repeating and telling me to track my numbers. That's probably what happened. And so what I mean by tracking your numbers, actually like track everything in your business, but the main ones that you should be tracking are sales, cash flow, profit margins, expenses, taxes, your projected income, um, like what's coming up so you can plan ahead. Maybe it's your hours, if you're a service-based business, how long are things actually taking you? I highly, highly recommend that one. It'll save you in the long run. Maybe other things that you could track is how long, I don't know, it takes certain clients to go through your program. You could always use that information later. You just want to track everything. But like I mentioned before, the main ones are sales, cash flow, profit margins, expenses, taxes, and projected income. And the way that I learned this was, yes, from my coach, but... I also learned it from my accountant. So I sat down with my accountant. I told her, hey, here's the numbers that I need to be tracking in my business as far as the ones that I mentioned. And then her and I worked together to create a spreadsheet or create a system that worked for my brain. Because that's another thing that I learned is just because one thing works for 
someone else doesn't mean that it's going to work for you and your brain. You may look at things differently. I'm a creative, so naturally I'm going to learn things and look at things a lot differently than maybe someone who's more analytical. So I'll try my best to break these down because when I first started tracking, I'm like, okay, I don't know what all these mean, Um, but I will say once you understand them and get a system in place, numbers actually, it becomes really fun because then you can see what's coming in. Ooh, what can we do next month? What can we make three months from now? That sort of thing. And it also allows you to see the gaps in your business and where you need to step it up maybe. So sales and cash flow. So let's look at maybe you have a $10,000 month. You sold $10,000, but out of that $10,000, you only have $5,000 coming into your bank directly that month. So you would ideally want to have a section of, hey, here's how much we sold this month and here's how much is actually coming in this month. And I know that kind of gets tricky, but you know, another example, let's say you have a $20,000 sale month, you sold $20,000 worth of offers, products, whatever services it may be. But of that $20,000, you only have, you know, maybe there's payment plans, um, deposits, that sort of thing. You only have $10,000 of cash going into your bank that month. So technically, you only made $10,000 that month. You sold 20, but you made 10. Next would be your profit margin, and this is simply just a percentage of your profit. So you would ideally take your net income divided by your gross income to get you that profit margin. And on average, um, again, this is what I've learned, is an average good range is 30 to 50% profit margin. So you've profited that percentage of your business of that year. And then of course you want to track your business expenses, your personal expenses, as well as uh, save enough money each quarter or each month uh, for your taxes. And I'm going to get into this one a little later um, and share my story. But the last one would be projected income. So this just means that maybe you have a spreadsheet that you're tracking payment plans coming in so you can look ahead to see three months in advance. Okay, here we have this much coming in. We're going to project that we're going to hit this much, that sort of thing. So you know whether you have to increase your lead gen your ads, whatever strategy you're using, or if you feel that you're good, um, it'll just tell you things like that. Okay, so number three, since I just mentioned it, would be to pay your taxes monthly or quarterly. Now you can do either or, but I highly, highly recommend choosing one of those options over waiting until the end of the year. Do not do this unless you know how much you're going to owe, but then you could end up paying um, fees and penalties if you don't pay quarterly. Uh, So big lesson for me, my first year in business, I didn't pay monthly or quarterly. And so I had a huge sticker shock at the end of the year. 
So I learned it the hard way. I'm telling you now, don't do what I did. (laughs) Do as I say. Um, You can pay monthly, but I highly recommend doing quarterly. Number four would be to, and this is when you're at a point in your business where you're ready to hire, is to hire slow, fire fast. I'm sure we've all heard this before. I know I have, but I never really understood what they meant by that. I was like, oh, okay, like hire slow, fire fast. Yeah, okay. Um, But until I spent money hiring people super fast when I felt like I was in the need of help right away instead of, you know, maybe going through more applications, having more than 10 interviews, asking the right questions, getting super clear on what I was looking for and what my expectations were. I wasted a lot of money on, you know, maybe certain tasks or um, I hired VAs where then I would get frustrated, but then it all fell on me because I actually wasn't very clear what I, I didn't know what I was looking for. I was just like, oh, I need help. Um, but I was getting frustrated for the mistakes that I made. A good place to start is maybe you list out all the things that you're doing, all the tasks that you're doing in your business, break them down into... Um, repetitive tasks. And then out of those repetitive ones, where are the tasks that maybe someone could come in and help you with that you could train them on? So don't expect to hire someone and just, you know, hey, can you just come in and start doing this? You do have to train them on the way that you do things, expectations, certain things like that. That's why there's like an onboarding process. Um, but maybe you look up job descriptions for the role that you're needing help with. So you can kind of get an idea of the kind of person that you're looking for, responsibilities, characteristics, qualities, and so forth. So maybe you can create like a mini job application and you can, that's how you can sift through applicants and then hop on interviews ask the right questions, and then move into the onboarding process where you, you know, you, you train them, you take them through, this is how I do this. Here's my expectations of you work Monday, you know, can you be available Monday through Friday during these times? What's your communication style like? Um, you know, certain questions like that you need to know. Last thing with that is don't just hire for skill. You can always train someone to do something. Hire someone who also matches your business values and team culture. So if you, maybe this is your first hire, you'll figure this out. But if you want to, I'd highly recommend going through and, you know, what are your business values? What do you want your team culture to look like? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, again, just look online and look up um, team culture values. You know, look at examples. What I know some are like respect, honesty, timeliness, um, customer service. Like, what do you want that atmosphere and those values to look like? And how do you want to represent your brand? And then once you get clarity around that, really anyone that you bring on to your team 
should reflect those values, should represent those values, and understand that this is how we operate, this is our system, this is, these are our values for our business, and if we don't operate from this place, this isn't going to be a good fit. Okay, I think we're on number five. I think that's right. Um, This one, I have already mentioned it, but I want to mention something different about it is profit margins. So when, if you're just starting out or when I first started, I would always see posts of, oh my gosh, they hit six figures. Oh, they hit seven figures. But we don't really get to see what the profit margin really is on that six or seven figures, maybe they're only taking home 30% of that. And so that's great that they're hitting six, seven figures, but again, we don't see behind the scenes. Maybe they're only taking home a portion, well, they are taking home a portion of it, but let's say, you know, 30% of $100,000, they're only taking home $30,000. Again, that's really low, but if you're like um, an in-person business, that's, you know, you have a lot of expenses versus like online, there's not as much startup costs or anything like that. So you could average maybe 40 to 60% profit margin. Um, I just wanted to mention that because I don't want there to be this expectation on social media where oh, like you hit six figures and then you got to keep it all, which common sense says no, but you do fall into the comparison trap. And I just wanted to shed some light on that. Next is number six. And this one is all about systems. So I learned this the hard way that in the sense that I didn't really have a lot of systems set up. So I was forced to create them later. Um, so that my business could keep up and that things wouldn't fall apart. It was growing so fast and I needed to basically keep up with it or it was going to crumble and fall apart. So in order to create systems in your business, you need to sit down and really take a detailed look and write, I'm telling you, like a whole day or maybe a couple hours, really detailed look at what do you do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Out of those tasks, which this kind of goes back to hiring, which of those tasks can be automated, outsourced, or eliminated? And trust me, there are some tasks that you will write out and find, hmm, I actually don't need to be doing this. I'm wasting my time on a task that isn't generating any income. So one of the biggest things is, especially when you're starting out, is to focus on tasks that generate income and worry about all the other ones later. Once you have all these written out, I would recommend hiring someone. You don't have to. You can learn it on your own. But I would recommend hiring an expert to come in and set up like a project management tool for you and your future team. If your goal is to grow this business then ideally you want to set up processes and systems to plan for that business growth. So have someone come in, set up a project management tool. We use ClickUp. Other ones are Asana, uh, Trello, Monday.com, Basecamp, whatever it may be. 
I personally love ClickUp. I've tried them all and I always come back to ClickUp. And once you have that all laid out, you're then gonna want, and I'm telling you guys, this is not the fun part of business, but it's essential to growing and scaling your business. A healthy, successful business. Um, Just do it. I promise you, you will thank yourself later. So once you have that all laid out, you're then going to want to document how you do things so then you can train someone else to do exactly what you're doing. So anything that you do in your business, you should be able to explain to someone, hey, here's how I do this. Here are the steps that need to be taken. Here are the expectations. So let's take a podcast. I know this is going to be a huge one. It's the only one that came to mind. Let's take a podcast, for example. I had to sit down and really think, okay, what are the steps that I take from recording the episode to publishing the episode to promoting the episode? That whole, all those steps turn into one process to basically launch an episode. Actually, now that I think of it, that's going to be way too long. So let's take our onboarding process, for example. Um, So each part of our process, we have an SOP, Standard Operating Procedure, basically a fancy word for a laid out outline, step-by-step outline of what needs to happen in order to onboard a client. And this is everything from uh, client books, or no, inquiry comes in through HoneyBook, they book a call, I send a proposal, once proposal is paid, once contract is signed, we send an onboarding email. Like it's detailed and step by step so that anyone who comes in can look through it. Maybe it's a document, maybe it's a video, whatever it may be, maybe it's images, um, graph, however you want to do it. But so someone new can come in, look at it, understand it, and really take control and start working through the steps. And really you have this for any job that you go into. What happens when you you know, you apply for the job, you go in for the interview, they say yes, you come in for maybe an orientation, you get all the your passwords that you need, you set up an email, like there's all these steps that need to happen before you even start. So it's the same thing in your online business, but you have the fun part of creating all that uh, for your future uh, team members. Okay, number seven is when you're at a point where your business is scaling, maybe it's scaling fast, maybe it's scaling steadily, whatever it may be, you have to keep up with the momentum of your business growth to keep growing. So what I mean by that is, again, going back to tracking everything so you can answer, have I hit my capacity as far as you know, time, hours, whatever it may be? Do I need to raise my prices? How can I bring on more clients? Am I full? Can I bring on more clients? You have to always be thinking of the next step. Do I need to create a new offer? Um, Have we 
you know, perfected this one offer? Can we add another one? Is there something more in demand right now? Do our clients need something that we're not providing? Like all those questions, you have to keep up with the momentum of your business. And this actually flows into the last one, number eight, is your systems and offers, packages, what services will adapt as you grow. So you want to pay attention to, again, going back to tracking everything, paying attention, pay attention to what's working in your business, what's not working, what drives the most revenue, what your profit margins are, what your clients are asking for, or maybe like there's certain common issues that are happening with clients, projects, whatever it may be. You want to keep track of all of these things and always have a pulse on your business so that you can adapt and change accordingly. So one thing in our agency is we always have an offboarding questionnaire that we send to our clients. Yes, it's for testimonial. We would love to hear a great testimonial, but it's also we ask them, is there anything that you would change or want to see differently about this process? Or maybe we have it, is there anything that would have made this process smoother for you? Because we want to hear feedback. If you're not asking for feedback, you don't know where you need to improve for for future clients or for clients who are returning. So you always want to ask for, you know, good feedback to know, hey, how am I doing? How can I make things better? Because more than likely, when you set up your business, it's not perfect. You're going to run into issues and you're going to run into things that you need to change. But how will you know what you need to change if you're not getting feedback from clients who are going through it and maybe they bring up something that you never thought of. So feedback is a great thing. All right, I think that's all eight. Hopefully I didn't miss any. Um, I'll definitely do another episode with, you know, there'll be lots of these like lessons I've learned, um, tips, anything like that because let's face it, you're always learning something new. (laughs) That's the fun part. It keeps your entrepreneurship, keeps you on your toes. As always, thanks for listening. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or on Instagram to help support the show. If you want additional resources to help you grow your business, you can find them on my website at CourtneyMarieCo.com or below in the show notes.